Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. And Matt, it's the final ASU football game of the season. That it is, yeah. Last one until uh, September 1st of 2018, I guess, when we host uh, Texas San Antonio, I believe. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's nice to be playing one more. Last year at this time, we'd already had that last game of the season. Yeah, it's good to be here. Um, but it's awkward, and, and the, much of the coverage of the team has been about exactly how awkward it's been. Yeah. Um, Phil Bennett said that he thought he'd seen everything before this transition, and, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's a little crazy, you know? We have... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's been strange. I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, for, for a time, uh, you almost kind of forgot that there was a bowl game uh, to play because... So much focus has been on, you know, who would be the new coach? This guy's the new coach. What's going to happen with the coordinators uh, recruiting? I mean, it, you know, it's kind of, you know, you almost had to keep reminding yourself, yeah, we, we do have one more game to play as a fan. I don't know about players and coaches if they felt that way, but, um, you know, I, I kind of, uh, it's been hard to remember that there's actually a, a game still to play in this season. Oh, I mean, it, it's one of those things where I know and I have known that the bowl game is coming up and still today I was like, oh yeah, I got to leave work to watch the bowl game on Friday. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's different, you know, it's, um, I mean, I suppose this happens when you have a coaching change, no matter what. Um, but there's just been so much to digest about this coaching change. Um, and, and, you know, a lot we still haven't yet digested um, that I think maybe it's made it even more so where you kind of forget, uh, you know, that that uh, we're still going in this season. And, you know, I think playing a game that isn't, I mean, now uh, those two, those things go hand in hand. This game isn't that big of a game. Thus, we have a coaching change. If we were playing in the, you know, the New Year's Six, we probably wouldn't be going through a coaching change. But um, you know, I think that plays a role in it as well. You're playing a game that, quite honestly, in the grand scheme of things, does not matter. And, you know, it's good to be playing in it as compared to last year, but it's a game that by, you know, next year at this time, we will probably have forgotten. NC State actually is going to care about this game. Um, but for ASU, it, it feels an awful lot like a, well, the seniors will care and the players will want to win one for Graham, but. You know, we're playing with at least one arm tied behind our back, you know, with no offensive coordinator, right. play caller experience uh, really at all on the field. And it's going to no, wind up being no, I mean, Graham calling that, the plays. Yeah, that's an odd dynamic that, you know, I texted you about yesterday. And, um, you know, I, I uh, yeah, I don't have a lot of expectations about that. I, I think it's kind <laughs> of interesting that, um, it would be Rob Likens, who is the new offensive coordinator, was the co-offensive coordinator this year. Um, and, you know, it's, it's uh, I don't know if there's anything to read into that, but, but, you know, me being the cynic that I am, read into it that this might be Todd Graham saying, yeah, this isn't Herm Edwards' team just yet. You can have your time, but I'm going to do it my way. Uh, you know, and that's okay. If, if so, I, I guess I can respect that. Um, it's just interesting when you have a guy who is on staff who's going to call plays next year to not have him be the guy calling the plays for this game. He's not even sharing play calling duty for this game. No, <laughs> no, no. I mean, instead it's a, uh, you know, Todd Graham, a, 
a defensive coach, I guess. I mean, you know, he is, but, you know, he can make your snide comments about that if you want, and they're deserved. Um, and then a, a guy who was a consultant, you know, who really didn't coach players this year, uh, who I guess is going to be part of the staff next year. But, um, yeah, it's it's strange, and it just adds to the strangeness of this game. Um, you know, I, I said when we did our picks that I had the feel that it was a little bit like, you know, the 2011 Vegas Bowl. The difference, I think, is this team didn't quit on the coaching staff at the end of the year. The 2011 team did. Um, and I think there is some fight. So, you know, it, it might be different, um, but I still just don't feel great about it because I think NC State is a better team. And I think, you know, if we face some adversity, it could kind of get ugly, potentially. I mean, as far as actual game flow goes, I think that's absolutely right. If NC State gets up by two scores early, this is exactly the kind of situation where a team can roll up the sidewalks and just say, all right, well, this was a fun season. We get our swag from El Paso and we get to go home. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't know how a team plays with an interim coach. Um, We saw Oregon. Now, theirs wasn't an interim coach. Theirs was, you know, the coach that they promoted, but they certainly came out and did not look good. Um, Today, we saw Florida State come out and play really well. Now, granted, against an opponent that's not at their level talent-wise, but, um, you know, play with that edge. So you just never quite know how a team's going to respond. Um, This team has done a good job, I will, you know, I will say all year of battling back when things have looked bleak, Um, you know, starting the year rough, coming back and, you know, the Texas Tech second half, as we've talked about, which was kind of a turning point, um, you know, rallying back there, overcoming, you know, deficits in the second half to Colorado and Arizona, games that certainly could have gone the other way, uh, you know. So they have shown some fight and toughness, and maybe they will again. You know, that would be a, a, a fitting way to go out for a season that's kind of been an overachieving season, really. We are underdogs, as we have been for eight other games this season. Um, I wouldn't read too much into that because one thing that is also possible, you know, NC State's played well. They were top 25 team. But they could come out sluggish. They could say, well, look, you know, this isn't where we wanted to be. We had higher aspirations than playing in El Paso in December. And Yeah, yeah, I mean, with, you know, three weeks left in the season – um, you know, they, well, going into November, they had a chance at, at the playoffs. You know, they went to Notre Dame and had Clemson the next week, and they had one loss, and, you know, they were kind of a dark horse team, and, and they, they got beat soundly by Notre Dame, and then they lost a tough one to Clemson and, you know, end up here. So, yeah, you don't know how they're going to care. I mean, I don't I haven't followed them close enough to say, oh, I bet they'll come out and play hard, or they won't. I mean, you just you just don't know. Um, and that's the weird thing about bowl games. You know, if this game was played in the first week in November with something on the line for both teams, I think you'd take NC State. But there's nothing on the line for either team, so you don't really know what you to expect. Yeah, and, you know, NC State didn't go through the turmoil and off-field issues that ASU had. Right. Which, you know, it, it's kind of curious, you know, if you're the head coach of a team that expects to do bigger things next year, um, do you use this uh, practice time to get reps for your underclassmen? Yeah. Whereas Todd Graham, who has nothing to lose, 
probably could have, for all we know, installed a new defense because this is DJ Calhoun's last time trying to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to know. I mean, you know, I I said when we did our picks, and I haven't changed my mind, that I'm, you know, picking NC State. Uh, But it wouldn't necessarily shock me. I mean, I guess there's probably an element of that that is more of a, uh, you know, I'm kind of playing the uh, sandbag game as a fan. Um, I mean, this team has beat some good teams this year. They beat a team that's, you know, in the New Year's Bowls. Um, they beat Oregon. They beat Arizona. You know, they beat Utah. Um, you know, they've, they've beaten good teams. And NC State is not, uh, you know, a, a dominant powerhouse or anything like that. They have some really good players, um, one of which probably won't play, their best player, Bradley Chubb. Um, so, uh, you know, it wouldn't shock me if we won, but I – you know, it's not one that I'm going to forecast. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, you know, treat yourself to the last round of Todd Graham uh, bashing about him leaving a program quickly. And uh, Right, right, yeah. Yeah, that narrative uh, is one that, you know, died, really. Um, I mean, he, he wanted to stay here, and he did stay here. And uh, over the years, you heard that less and less. And obviously now, you know, the, it ends with him being, shown the door rather than finding the door himself and yeah you know the the Todd Graham years are, are uh, an interesting one to study uh, you know the themes of them have been up and down uh, some really popular or some not so popular times where a lot of people who I think have been you know vocal in their support of him the last month were not so supportive of him uh, even as recently as you know early November of this year um but that's kind of, you know, he's a hard one to assess. It really is. Uh, you know, we, we talked about it before. Like, um, it's hard to pin down exactly what you think of Todd Graham's tenure here. There was a lot of good and there was a lot of not so good, uh, you know, and, and I think you should probably remember both. Um, too many people, I think, are doing one or the other when we really we should remember it on the whole. I think overall the off-field stuff and the discipline stuff is universally positive. Yeah. And yeah, the you know. and the recruiting and the on-field performance is a mixed bag. A middling, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and that's you know that's why you see the results have dropped off the last three years from where they were the first three years because the recruiting hasn't been as good. You know, some some high-profile misses, uh, and and really more so than that, um, just you know some run-of-the-mill misses. You know the the, the JUCO kids that were supposed to be impact guys the first two or three years, they were. And the last two or three years, they weren't. And and that's a big reason why the results slipped. Um, you know, it's it's a hard one. You know, he beat every Pac-12 team during his time here because they beat Oregon finally. He went 4-2 and two against Arizona, which people are, you know, they love that, but um, wasn't enough and it shouldn't be enough on its own. Uh, you know, it's just, it's hard. It really is hard to assess. And it came all the way down to the very last game that he coached so far um, in, in saying, you know, how people feel about it. Because as we've talked about, if we lose that Arizona game, I think there's a whole lot of people who have been up in arms about him getting fired that wouldn't have been nearly as up in arms. Uh, but because we came back and won that game in the second half, it's given everybody the warm fuzzies, which I don't know that it really should have. Yeah, I mean, if Khalil Tate had been healthy, um, yeah, at like halftime, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, you know, who knows? I mean, 
And, and was it a nice win? It, you know, it was. But, um, you know, the bottom line is Arizona's a 7-5 and five team, too. And, and uh, you know, beating them doesn't make your season. Um, you know, now if you want to say beating Washington does, sure. Uh, there's Yeah, there's some truth to that. Um, but, you know, the consistency just wasn't there. We beat Washington, and then, you know, two weeks later we get humiliated by USC. Um, you know, we beat Colorado to kind of rally back from that, and then we get beat in a game we never should have lost at UCLA. So, you know, that's that's the thing, and that's why I say let's remember both. Let's give the guy his due for all the good he did, and let's also remember the maddening inconsistencies that his program had. You know, let's not gloss over all the negatives just because things ended on a positive. It was a microcosm of his tenure at ASU this year. Yeah, yeah, it really was. Slightly, you know, uh, slightly on the positive side, yeah. but by no means great. Not overwhelmingly <laughs> positive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, you, you, we've talked about it a, a lot, and I, you know, I've, I've sort of excused, you know, some of those early season losses because we weren't as good a team as we were at the end. But nonetheless, we lost to two six and six teams, Texas Tech and UCLA. We got outplayed in every facet by a, a Mountain West team, a good Mountain West team, but nonetheless, a Mountain West team that came in here and was simply better than us. That's disturbing. So yes, beating Washington's great, beating Oregon, beating Arizona, but that doesn't erase the fact that we lost to teams we should not have lost to. And if you beat those two six and six teams and, and you beat you know San Diego State, you're looking at a 10 and two season. Um, you know, losing those games puts you at seven and five, which is average, and and you know that's just not good enough. Yeah, yeah, and that's so. You know, again, I don't mean to knock the guy because I'm not sure that it was the right idea to get rid of him. Really not. Uh, you know, I think we won't know. I won't know that for a while. I don't know. Other people have made up their minds. I guess already. Um, you know, I I don't know. Really not sure. But I just think we should keep it in perspective and not make him into Frank Cush because he beat Arizona four times out of six. Well, it's one of those questions that you have to ask, right? Would you, you know, would you grade it on its own, or do you, or do you think it's possible? To, do you think that's even possible, or does it have to be graded in tandem with however Herm Edwards does? To me, it's it's that this time around. Um, you know, I think we kind of talked about that. It, to me, it is in tandem with how Herb Edwards does because the feeling is, and I think you know, it's an accurate feeling from everything we know, that Todd Graham was fired so Herb Edwards could be hired. It's it, they weren't independent of each other. It wasn't like you know we thought, well, Todd Graham's not getting it done. Let's go find someone new. Let's look around. Let's interview, and we'll settle on this guy. Kind of like when Graham was hired um, after Derek, you know, after Erickson was fired. This one was different. So to me, they are in lockstep. Fair. Good. I think. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's just that's kind of my thought on it. If you know, if Herm Edwards does well and and gets to the level that Ray Anderson wants, then by God, it was the right move, no question about it. But if he doesn't, then I think we will look back and say, boy, did we push a guy out the door who wanted to be here, who did a lot of good, some not so good, but a lot of good. And now what? You know, and you kind of have that, like, you know, when you, you know, break up with a girlfriend and then a year later think, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Um, I don't know. You know, I, we'll see. Uh, time will tell, I guess. Let's get our picks on the record. 
just so that for yeah. posterity we can, you know, yes. be remembered for how wrong at least one of us will be. <laughs> um, I'm picking ASU, and I'm going to say that the defense steps up real big, and it looks like the defense that played Washington and Utah, and we win 24 to 14. Okay, okay. I mean, I'm not going to go with a route. Um, you know, I don't think it will be, but I, I guess I would probably go, uh, I don't know, 34 to 20, NC State, something like that. I just, I just don't know if our offense um, – with this, you know, new play calling uh, scheme and, and, you know, an offense that was inconsistent most of the year anyway, uh, you know, and now with a new play caller against a really good defensive line, um, you know, even if Chubb is out, they have a very good D-line that, you know, will give our offensive line trouble. I just don't trust us to score very many points. And then defensively, you get into that, can we be the Washington and Utah defense I haven't seen it enough. We saw it for two games, and that's about it this year. I just think that the defensive side of the ball are the guys Graham recruited. Yeah, he, He's not going to coach next year, it looks like, at least as a head coach. Uh, Phil Bennett, it looks like, is going to be done, at least at the collegiate level. Yeah. Um, I, I just think that this is one of those things where you find the motivation. you got those guys. you got Calhoun and Smallwood playing their final games, possibly Wicker, possibly Sam. Right. Right. No, I mean, it It definitely could be. I mean, as I said, you know, earlier, it's a game that would not shock me if we came out with an edge and NC State didn't and, and we're the team that's faster and quicker and more motivated, you know, because, yeah, you know, sometimes interim coach teams do play like that. Other times they play like they just don't care to be there at all. Uh, we saw that six years ago with our team, so... Who knows? I mean, that's what that's the great unknown about bowl season. You just don't know how teams are going to react. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we we don't have the same pick. We don't think the same way. But that's what makes this fun. Variety's the spice of life. That's right. That's right. I think most games this year we did pick the same way. Uh, maybe one or two that we ended up going different on when it came to week to week, but not many. So yeah, this this is uh, mixes it up a little bit. There is a lot of other stuff to talk about, um, you know, Sam Darnold being willing to play anywhere and Josh Rosen yeah. refusing to play in Cleveland, but not really actually yeah, refusing so yeah, much as... A lot, of, a lot of words into his mouth, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, there's that, there's how the Bulls have gone thus far, there's certainly yeah. the big bowl games yet to come. Uh, but we're not going to talk about any of those. <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the most important basketball game Arizona State University has played <laughs> since Kansas. Maybe yeah. ever. Definitely since Kansas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's high stakes when you're ranked top five in the country. And those are, you know, as, as we've discussed, we haven't been for a long time. Uh, you know, and then you're playing your in-state rival on the road who's also ranked. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty high-stake game for only being December. So U of A comes in with what Doug Haller and Jody Ayler uh, talked about as the most talented team in the country. Arizona State comes in with the best chemistry in the country. Yeah. I'm not sure either of those are 100% true, but... Yeah, I'm not sure about that either. Uh, I mean, 
Arizona's got talent, but Duke's got talent. Villanova's got talent. Michigan State's got talent. I, I don't know about that. I mean, the Aiton kid is really, really good. Uh, I think you can argue he's one of the top five talented players in the country. Trier is good. Um, you know, beyond that, they've got players, but eh, the most talented team in the country, I'm not sure about that. Here's where my concern comes from, and it is identical to how they beat us last year. They have two seven-footers, two legit seven-footers who can play together in Aiton right. and, and Deuce and Ristich. Yeah. Um, I don't know, even though Romello White, I think we can all agree, even as a redshirt freshman, is a yeah. step up on both ends of the floor from Obi Oleka last year. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if he on his own can do this. And then I think that means you're playing him and Daquan Lake together and both have shown tendencies to get into foul trouble. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and, and, you know, uh, I mean, I hesitate to say this, but I'm going to. um, You don't normally get the lion's share of the calls when you're playing at McHale Center. Uh, You know, it's just the way it is. I mean, you know, it's how it is when you go to Duke and Kansas and things like that, too. Um, You know, but you just don't. So. Yeah, uh, could that be an issue? It definitely could. Um, but, you know, we are better equipped than we were last year. I think that's very safe to say. Um, you know, we don't have tremendous size, but we have more than we did last year. And, and guys who can play um, defense, rebound, score inside. And our guards are better. I mean, they, they just are. These, these three senior guards that – we maybe took for granted at the start of the year, like, oh, it's nice to have them, but let's talk about White, let's talk about Kamani Lawrence, let's, you know, all the transfers, blah, blah, blah. These three cards are really good, and and they give this team something that, you know, even though they were all there last year, it's so much better than it was last year because they've all stepped it up. Well, what they've allowed this team to do, what, what the new players have allowed this team to do is slide Cody Justice to the wing from right. having to be a big man. Now, offensively, he never went and played the big man role, no. but it took a physical toll, I am sure, to it play did. against 6'8", six, 6'9", six, and taller guys when he's 6'5". Sure. He's a big guard, and I think it's actually helped him a lot this year because he's still a good rebounder. He's still a tough physical defender. Yeah. Um, but allowing him to not take a beating on the defensive end I think has allowed him to sort of reclaim that three-point stroke. Yeah, yeah, agreed. No, I mean, they've, they've all been good. And as I say that, you know, in one breath I say, well, these three guards, you know, we, we fell in love with the new guys. I mean, how much of an impact every game does Remy Martin seem to have? I mean, every game when he gets in, it just sort of changes the dynamic. And, and he does something that none of those three guys, as good as they've been, he, he just brings an element that none of them have. Um, and, and it's just an energy. It's a, you know, being a pest on defense. It's, you know, running and gunning on offense. I mean, he has just been really vital for, for this team. And all four of them combined, and the ability to mix and match all four of them, makes this team really tough. One thing that you have often been a proponent of during our talks about college basketball is switching and you know, positionless defense and things like that. When Remy Martin is on the floor, they press with him and then camp him out at the top of the key and switch everything, everything around the perimeter, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, 
and they do have that versatility to do that a little bit more. I mean, yeah, I, I love teams that, you know, throw out, you know, four or five guys that are between six, five and six, eight, and they can kind of, you know, and this team isn't that, uh, but it kind of gives you a little bit of that in that ability to be so versatile, to play different guys. Like, I mean, I watched and obviously it was Pacific, but you know, the ability to like not ever feel like you have to have a certain guy on the court. You can take Holder out. You can take Evans out. You can take Justice out. You know, as long as two or three of them are on the court at the same time, doesn't matter which two or three, you're still in good shape. Yeah. I mean, they just, you know, come at you, and they do similar things, but not the same things, you know? Um, Evans and Justice can step way back for three, um, but... Evans gives you a little bit more of that slasher cutter. Yeah. Trey Holder and Evans give you the free throw shooting. Holder gives you the slashing to the basket. You know, his ability to finish right. this year, ha- oh, you know, yeah. has just gone off the charts. It has. It has. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, just, just so impressed by the multiple ways this team can score. You know, they can shoot and they can make a lot of threes, but they can score in transition they can, you know, beat you off the dribble. And that's, I mean, you know, it's backed up in the numbers. Nine games, I believe, so far that they've scored over 90 points. Um, you know, every game over 75. Uh, you know, that's that's pretty impressive. And it shows you how versatile they are at being able to score in so many different ways. It's not a one-trick pony type of team. The free throw shooting this year has still had its bugaboos and, and its bad moments. But... The one thing that I like, and I haven't felt this way really since Derek Glasser was there, is that we have a guard who, if you foul him late, he will finish. And this year we have two. If you foul Evans, he's going to finish. If you foul Holder, he's going to finish. You know, there's not this sense of dread, you know, that, oh, oh no, Jamel McMillan's going to have to shoot the free throws. True, true. Yeah. No, agreed, agreed. Yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a good group. Yeah, yeah, for a lot of reasons, and definitely, you know, that ability to protect the lead late, um, you know, has been has been important. Um, the K State game is the one kind of outlier where we did not shoot free throws well, and we turned the ball over. And it's, I believe, the only game we've won by less than double digits because because we made it an adventure down the stretch. But since then, you know, has been impressive in the games that were somewhat close. Now, some of them were blowouts, you know, the, the last two, you know, by the end they were huge margins. But the Kansas game, the Xavier game, you know, the ability to execute well down the stretch and protect a, you know, 10-point lead, which as we've seen, could disappear fast. This team hasn't let that happen much. Yeah. And, you know, I know we said that we didn't give uh, due credit to the guards coming into the season. We gave short shrift because we were talking about the new guys, but how about the new guys? I mean, Oh, I know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's both. I mean, when you're having a season like we're having right now, everybody deserves, you know, credit. Um, I mean, there's, there's not one guy or one group. I mean, you know, I think it's just, it's natural as fans to kind of focus on the new faces and get excited about them. And you kind of think, well, the, you know, the old guys are just the old guys and they're going to be what they are. Well, they've gotten a lot better. But certainly, this team is better because of Ravella White, because of Daquan Lake, Remy Martin, uh, you know, Mickey Mitchell in the games he's played. He's started to find a role. Um, you know, I mean, that that says, uh, 
it goes hand in hand. Where those guys aren't as impactful without the three guards, and the three guards aren't as impactful without them. I assume that despite Hurley's protests to the contrary, that the switch from Scheibel to Mitchell will now be permanent, um, unless Lawrence starts right. over Mitchell. Right, right, and I wouldn't be surprised at that. Obviously, we don't know anything about him just yet, but um, you know, yeah, I think there makes sense that he, you know, he was the starter in the preseason before he got hurt. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Scheibel uh, just—he's been a little slow in coming along, uh, and, and you know, he's coming off a major knee injury, and, and he's uh, had some know, moments. He, you know, yeah, he, he knocked yeah, down some threes okay. when we needed him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he hasn't been awful. He just hasn't been as good as the others. Um, and I think, you know, if, if you're going to see one guy of the eight that are currently getting minutes kind of, you know, get pushed maybe a little bit more to the back, especially when Lawrence is back, he's the most likely guy because he just he's, he hasn't really found his rhythm just yet. Doesn't mean he can't, but it, it's been a little more slower in coming. As we, you know, carve out the identity and figure out the roles of these guys – one of the things that occurs to me is that the energy level that Mitchell provides and the sort of interior toughness, you know, that he, Lake, and White seem to all bring that, you know, on some level, Oleka just couldn't because he couldn't afford to get the fouls that are required to do that, um, given our roster limitations last right. year. Right. Um, that you know, Mitchell and Martin together could provide the kind of intense stretches of defense that can sustain you when your offense is struggling. Sure, sure. yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's that's one you know question about this team, and maybe we'll get an answer. To, you know, to an extent, is you know if if there's a game where the offense isn't clicking as well as you might like, um, you know, can they win with defense? You know, they haven't really had to do that this year against the top-level competition. They've had a couple games where they haven't scored 90, but they've come against opponents who just aren't as good. And, and you know, we were able to outclass them. Now we're getting to conference play. That's probably not going to happen as much. So, yeah, I mean, we, we don't know, you know, can this team win a game 70-60? Uh, to 60? Not sure yet. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll find that out at some point. Maybe we'll find it out as soon as Saturday. Uh, or at least get us get a start on finding it out. It's just you know, and that's the important thing as we say this and how big this game is. It's just one game. Winning it does not mean you're going to the final four, and losing it does not mean the season is ruined. It's it's a big game, but kind of like we talked about with football, it's the biggest game now, and then there's another one coming up right after that. Do you think that there will be a more tangible ASU crowd? And McHale Center than previous years? Probably, probably some. I mean, you know, obviously Arizona always draws well, and so it's not it's not going to be a situation where, you know, if they were if they were really bad and we were really good and you start to see, you know, okay, maybe, they, you know, we get a big crowd. And, uh, it's not going to be bad. But, yeah, I mean, do I think, you know, people are excited here? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's a bandwagon fan base, and, the bandwagon is filling up real fast, and so yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if you see a little bit better turnout related to ASU fans 
than you have because, you know, there's going to be a few more who think, yeah, I'll drive down there and see that game. Whereas in the past, uh, why bother? Yeah, they have no chance. If the bandwagon gets a little too full, there is plenty of room on the train and you can always get on the train. Um, yes. Even if yes. you're not on the train right now, there's, they'll still let you on the train, according to her true. methods. That is true. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, and it's a, you know, it's a good thing, as we've talked about. That's that's what this, you know, fan base, this program needs to have happen, is for people to get on the bandwagon and, and you know, get excited and get worked up and, uh, you know, get into things. I mean, it hasn't happened much, but it's happening this year. Um, and again, I, I mean, I just, I just hope. That, you know, again, people need to realize it's just one game. Winning it would feel great, and it would only accelerate that bandwagon a little faster. But losing it does not mean things have come apart. You know, you, you, you're probably, you're going to lose a game. You're going to lose multiple games. I mean, yes, they're 12-0 and now. Um, they're not going 30-0. and So, you know, if, if it comes here, you know, disaster didn't strike. You just keep going. Absolutely the right attitude to take. Um Though it may feel personally like a disaster. Yeah, and, and obviously not all losses are created equal. I mean, uh, you know, if, if you go down there and get totally outclassed, that feels different than if you go down there and play really well and you get beat by five points. So, I mean, I, you know, I don't know how I'll react if they lose because, you know, games are different. Um, you know, I, I feel like there is a, a fear among maybe people like you and me who have been ASU basketball fans and have seen plenty of humiliating losses to good teams, that that's what's going to happen here. But it shouldn't be. Uh, we shouldn't have that fear. This this team, this year, has done nothing to give us that fear. It's just kind of an institutional fear if you're an ASU basketball fan that you're expecting that. But I think we got to get over that. You know, we got to move past that. And, and, you know, this team has done everything we've asked them so far. So let's see what they can do this time around. Yeah, I mean, your your point's well taken about the institutional fear and just the the expectation of worst case scenario right, that right. you know, look, that that has been rewarded and nurtured for decades, yes. but yes. this yes. is different, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I compare it a bit and it's, you know, it's it's just a very slight comparison, but a bit like how I felt sometimes when it came to Cub fans. And this, you know, expectation that, oh, things will always go bad. You know, you just, you got to get over that because things are going to go bad and, and you've got to be able to bounce back. And, you, you know, you can't have every time, you know, uh, an infield grounder gets through the legs of an infielder, you know, oh, my God, here it comes again. You know, you, you know and, and that's kind of ASU basketball. Like it's the, the beginning of the Kansas game. I'm sure many people, oh, here we go. This team's going to get humiliated. Well, they didn't. They bounced back. They played really well. They won that game. They outplayed Kansas for the last 35 minutes. So, you know, we, we as fans, I believe, have to kind of, and I mean that for myself as much as anybody, have to get over that. You know, you, you, you have to kind of move past that notion of disaster is looming around every corner and, and you know, start to, start to have a little belief. It's hard. I mean, I, I know it is, but, you know, that's, that's just what we got to do. Yeah, you got to find the faith somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And again, it is hard because we've got years and years of disappointment as an ASU basketball fan. And it is much like being a Cubs fan or a Red Sox fan back in the day. You know, you've got so many examples and you think, well, what gives me the faith that's going to be better? Well, that's true. 
but the past really has nothing to do with the present. I mean, when we when we're you know we're being realistic about this, what's happened in the past down in Tucson between these two teams has nothing to do with what's going to happen in this game. Different teams, different coaches. Uh, you know, you just you go out and play. And just because they beat us in the past and they've humiliated us in the past does not mean they're going to this time. It feels that way, but it really has, it really has no bearing on what's going to happen this time around. Nor does it have any bearing on the next game or the next game. You know, and, and like I said, I get it because I feel that way too. You go, oh, God, go into McHale. It's a house of horrors. But this team, as, as presently constituted, hasn't played at McHale. So let's see what they can do. Yeah, and the guys who've played Arizona – have acquitted themselves okay. They have. They have, yeah. You know, and and, and this is a different team. I mean, it, it just is. You know, it, to compare it to the last two years is a disservice to what this team has done so far. It has the same coach, and it has, you know, three guys who've been there. Um, well, two who were there, you know, the last two years. One who was there last year, two, and Evans. But everything else is different, and the way they're playing is different. The teams they've beaten are different. So, you know, let's let's go down there and just see – how it goes, but you know, uh, I I hope as a fan base, you know, we don't have that sort of defeatist attitude of oh god, going to Arizona, we're going to get humiliated and embarrassed. No, this team hasn't done anything to to earn that sort of re- label at this point. Yeah, I mean, if anything, it's the reverse, and the home yeah. team in this game should be a little afraid because they. Got into the spotlight, and that's when they dropped three in a row. Right, right, you know. right. And they, you know, they haven't been, you know, they haven't lost since then. But they haven't been overwhelmingly impressive. You know, they, I believe, they had to go to overtime against UNLV. Um, you know, UConn hung with them for a good portion of that game. Not a great UConn team. Um, you know, so yeah, they haven't exactly looked like the freight train powerhouse they were supposed to be. Uh, and, and so, you know, why can't we go down there and win? We'll see. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going in and saying, oh, we'll handle this no problem at all. It's a good team. It's a tough place to play. But we're a good team, and we've won in tough places to play. So why not this time too? Yeah. Well, we'll be back. Uh, we'll recap the Sun Bowl. We'll recap the rivalry game. We'll talk about the rest of the college football landscape in the bowls. We'll talk about uh, some NFL playoff previews with no Sunday yep, yep. night game. We'll we'll know everything by Sunday That's afternoon. Uh, until then, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.